0: This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end.
1: Blue Lion. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons, between the legs, It's for Simmons,
0: wow, what a play!
1: Welcome everybody. To another episode of the New Slant podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck. This week, our podcast being brought to you by our friends at Indeed and Bet Online. So, we'd like to thank both of those companies for helping to keep our lights on. With me, as always, probably still pissed off about the Eagles game on Sunday, probably still pissed off that the Sixers haven't done anything about their front office and head coaching restructuring. My friend, Seamus Clancy, Seamus, how are you?
0: Just eternally pissed. I think that sums it up well.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of good going on in Philly sports right now. I guess at best there's you know some neutral. There is. Uh, Mickey Moniak getting called up for the Phillies, so that's you know maybe he's not yeah, the bus that people thought he was. And... Yeah, the
0: the Phillies got the first pick the one year there wasn't this Bryce level Bryce Harper, you know Steven Strasburg level prospect as the top overall pick, I and mean, we got stuck with a guy who more likely than not is just like just a guy rather than a star. So yeah, already, I mean, already out on him. So he has nothing to do. But he has to win my fandom over.
1: Well, I mean, even you throw Bryce Harper's name in there. Bryce has kind of fallen apart recently. I mean, if of... Mickey
0: Moniak's not making several <laughs> All Star teams and winning an MVP, <laughs> I'm he just does. Saying, even the
1: like very good baseball picks. Sure, like, you know he's been he's had great years. He's also had some kind of meh years. Uh, So, you know, baseball is what it is. That's probably part of why that sport just annoys me so much. There are guys that are like, oh, wow, he's hitting the shit out of the ball. And then the next year, it looks like he's never played the sport before. It's
0: just the regression is so weird and almost you kind of – this is why I kind of faded out of it for a bit. There was no reason to get excited about certain players because you knew that they were going to eventually crash down to earth. So it was like the game became too analytical in a way where it's like – then why am I rooting for anything if, like, we we are not allowed to get excited about this person because we know he in three weeks he might suck again? I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Well, not it's, important. It's,
1: it's just really funny because, like, you know, Real Muto has been awesome for this year. And if you look at, like, traditional baseball stats, it's like, oh, he's hitting, like, what, like 270 or something like that? It's like, man, that, that's he's one of the best guys on there. There's just, like... But is OBP or his slugging is this? And
0: positional either way, value. they
1: should all yeah positional value. They should all be fired if they don't resign him. But that's a that's another podcast. Uh, yeah, I gave more up to on Pedro Martinez. The, <laughs> more on the subject of this week's podcast. Uh, I guess the biggest development since, since Seamus and I last talked is that a bunch of other teams have choked and made the Sixers not look good, but look at least they're joined by a bunch of other chokers and teams who underperformed in the postseason relative to expectations. One of those teams, the Houston Rockets, uh, previously coached by Mike D'Antoni, came out, gave a statement, said that he was leaving the organization. The writing was kind of on the wall there for a while regardless of How this season shaped up didn't seem like there was going to be a long-term fit there. And on top of the previous connection that D'Antoni has to the organization, was brought in uh, under Jerry Colangelo's watch in late 2015, I guess it would have been. Um, Now there are reports, including from the Inquirer's Keith Pompey, that... D'Antoni is basically the front runner for the job. I believe he characterized it as it's his job to lose. And, Seamus, you've been more pro-D'Antoni than I have in the past, I think, when we've talked about him. So, you know, does that inspire any confidence that they're looking at him or that he's, like, that far up in the the coaching race? And do you still feel the same way that maybe you felt about him uh, when – Brett's firing was theoretical and we were still waiting for, you know, the chips to fall.
0: I think I've cooled down a little bit just because of the roster issue. I mean, I, I could see a scenario where hiring him comes with the caveat that they're trading for Chris Paul or something wild along those lines. They have this plan to acquire this dominant, you know, ball-stopping guard or, you know, this imaginary scenario where... Uh, MDA now has Ben Simmons shooting 10 threes a game or something like that. That's not going to happen. But my my issue right now is the process, pun not intended, with they're supposed to make all these front office changes. And it's been, how long would you say, three weeks or so?
1: Uh, I It was August 24th they fired Brett, and the next day they had... The presser with Elton Brand. So six days in August. We're recording this on 60. So about 22, 23 days. Exactly. It's about
0: three, four weeks now. No word. We don't know if the Colangelo cronies, known as Alex Rucker and Ned Cohen, are still going to be part of this team going forward. We don't know if Alton Brand is truly going to be the top decision maker going forward. But nonetheless, we already have narrowed down our coaching search to a single guy despite not knowing if this front office is going to be the one in place in two, three weeks' time, in a month from now, two months from now, when the season starts. So we're just repeating the things we do, going back to when they hired Brian Colangelo, to not interviewing, not even holding a true interview process. We're going over multiple candidates. It's, you know, just Colangelo leaving and keeping his shady staff around him, and then making Alton Brand the figurehead, even though he hadn't had any NBA front office experience whatsoever. So MD is fine. I don't. I've definitely been pro in the past. The more I, I think about it, the more the Tyloo option is out there and is tantalizing, and it seems like something that you know seemed realistic for the Sixers, or a deal was close for the team, and. I'm more mad about the process of things more than MDA himself, which I think is a good coach. Obviously a coach who has, you know, what's fair to say revolutionized the game at multiple points, but I don't think that's necessarily going to happen here. Uh, I think he would hate Joel. Uh, I'd love to see him with Ben and see if he can just ignite something with him. And if they were to make a trade for another guard, a CP three type, maybe even Drew holiday, uh, there could be something to that, and he's the one I would definitely approve over compared to a Billy Donovan or, you know, your traditional fodder of Mark Jackson, Jason Kidd, etc. But my issue here, again, what the fuck is the team doing with their hiring process, their delineating of tests, their hierarchy?
1: Yeah, I just... So, I'm going to focus more on the actual basketball part of this first, and... I think if you think that Dantoni is the coach for this team, I'm not saying you specifically, Seamus, like the Royal, you. I think if you think Dantoni's the coach for this team, I have to ask you what fucking roster you believe he's coaching because he has never, he doesn't, he's not really interested in big men generally, right? Like that's not his thing. But the guys that he has coached and has given more opportunity to are the like hyper athletic, Happy with just rolling to the basket type wingmen. Like the, the first one of those, or big men. The first one of those in Phoenix was Amari Stoudemire, who was a defensive train wreck most of the time, but certainly a, a super gifted pick and roll big man. Second one of those in Houston is Clint Capella. They end up trading him, and D'Antoni gets to kind of go full D'Antoni. And it was, I shouldn't say full D'Antoni. It was full D'Antoni and full Mori because it was small ball and all that other bullshit. But D'Antoni is not interested in posting up. D'Antoni is not interested in guys who are occupying the paint and making life harder for drives and 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 pick-and-roll play. And on the other side of that, like we've never seen anything to suggest that Joel Embiid particularly likes or is that adept at being a pick-and-roll big man. Now, some of that falls on the fact that they simply haven't had that many if any, pick-and-roll players outside of Jimmy Butler and then this year a much worse version and Alec Burks. like They haven't had ball handlers like that to run that kind of stuff, but Joel has made it very clear like he wants to be the post-up big man or he's going to hang out on the perimeter and shoot threes. There's none of the, like, yeah, I'm selling out hard to screen guys and I'm going to be like a – A Clint Capella type in any form or fashion. He doesn't want to be seen that way. He doesn't like playing that way. He hasn't shaped his body to play that way. It makes no sense on any level. And the biggest tell there is that when D'Antoni was being floated as a candidate before, it's when you know, the front office structure was still up in the air when Jerry Calangelo was here and when Brian Colangelo took over and is openly disparaging Joel Embiid through burner accounts. Whether that's him, whether that's someone close to him is still kinda up for debate, but like they're positioning Ben as the franchise guy and Joel as oh, he's greedy, he's selfish, he's got the wrong attitude, blah, 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 and that's the GM of the team. That's not you and me, like looking at things and trying to criticize guys. This is like people that are connected to the team disparaging the franchise player that they have no chance to win without. That was the last time that Mike D'Antoni was a real candidate to coach this team. So you know, I just look at how the roster has changed since. It's an even worse fit for what D'Antoni wants to do. Unless you get rid of Joel Embiid and unless you turn Ben Simmons into like super souped up Sean Marion, which you mm. know I'm not, I'm not necessarily Ugh, convinced pique my that. interest there. Well, so here's the problem with even that, Seamus. Number one, that that necessitates getting rid of Joel Embiid to make that happen, and then the other side of it is like, do we know that Ben is actually willing? to play that role. Absolutely I don't not. know. He's I, not. like he's
0: not. He would have done it already if he was willing to do it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's more Bennett forward next season. I don't think that's Probably going not. to be exclusively He's not going to be a forward full-time, I don't think, regardless of, you know, what happens with the roster and the coaching staff and the front office. So, you know, I I just don't get this. The the if it, if this is an ownership thing, this is just another indictment of their decision making process. Like they had him in on the staff as like Jerry Colangelo's eyes and ears when they went fucking 10 and 72 and they had a little bit of an upswing when Ish Smith got to run pick and rolls with Nerland's Noel instead of, you know, a bunch of corpses on the floor not running pick and rolls. Like, okay, great. Those guys on that 10 and 72 team Might have liked him. There's no bearing on the team today, and nothing about hiring Mike D'Antoni makes any sense to me. On top of the fact that historically, when he hasn't had the personnel to run the stuff he likes to run, he just has done fucking poorly. Like, that Lakers team he coached was was a disaster. Those Knicks teams, outside of that stretch when they first signed Amari Stoudemire pre-making the disaster Carmelo trade – That was the only good stretch that they had at any point Was the beginning of the year When Amari came out And was playing like the max guy that paid him to be Other than that That Knicks team was a train wreck too He didn't win shit there He didn't really change much about his offensive philosophy He clashed with his star player He clashed with like Couldn't get his star players to all buy in in LA I don't know what people see If you have the personnel To do what D'Antoni wants to do Great go to fucking indiana he'd be great he makes no sense here and i just i I like independent of all the other front office shenanigans that you know we've discussed to death i just think it's a it's a move that shows somebody or perhaps multiple somebodies in this organization don't know what the fuck they're looking at
0: when did you realize that
1: you know (laughs) Quite a few times over the years, Seamus, but this one, I just, I don't get it, man. I This is one that, you know, there are other candidates that I think are are not the best options, but you could still sell me on them as, hey, they're adaptable, or they've done this, they've done that. I, I don't see what, I don't know what people see from D'Antoni's career that makes you think he's going to be the guy that adjusts perfectly for this scenario I I just I don't get it I don't see it I've never seen it and that's not to your point I don't think he's a bad coach Seamus I think that he would help a a team like Indiana that has more guard based personnel to make stuff work but you'd be a phenomenal hire for
0: them with and even Indiana has
1: has struggles there because they have two big men that are integral parts of what they do but
0: he could work I, with Miles, I think.
1: I think he could be he'd be better with Sabonis. I think Sabonis no. is a better pick and roll big man than than Turner is. Maybe uh, I think I'm a little. I think Turner is sort of a fraud. He had he had a good year defensively, the one year, and that's basically been it for him. Um. Anyway, that's my D'Antoni screed. I don't mean it to come off as like I I don't like him generally but i hate him for this opening and i think it would be really stupid to because think about this too you're probably going to piss off joel just right off the rip with the hire if he comes in i think d'antoni is generally viewed as a player's coach he's sort of an agreeable type i don't think he's the guy who's going to come in here and you know breathe fire and brimstone and it's not the like you know rally the troops type coach and and so maybe that ends up working with the personalities they have here even though we've said they need the opposite but he's gonna he look if if you and I Seamus I keep coming back to this when we talk about these hires if you and I can sit on the outside and see yeah this doesn't make any sense and it's marginalizing this player that player so on and so forth. You don't think the fucking guys on the team that actually play in the NBA and this is their profession, you don't think Joel Embiid is aware of what Mike D'Antoni does and what that signals for, you know, what he has to do? You're, you have to be fucking crazy not to see that. I've somehow worked myself up into a, a fervor over this, despite the fact that, like, it means almost nothing to me personally. How
0: old do you think he is? Unless you know. I saw it today in an article you might have just I seen do him. know,
1: and I know he looks way younger than he has.
0: Dude, actually. I had no idea.
1: So he's, <laughs> he's seventy, I think?
0: He's sixty nine. I guess yeah, he's maybe turn true. seventy soon. That's insane. Yeah. He's old as fuck. I don't when I saw that, that was kind of a thing where like, I don't want to do that fucking old coach in the team.
1: Right, and I, like that's another thing. And I've been pro so him in the something?
0: past because it was an option compared to Brett, who I've been totally out on. But given the options we've been presented with over the last few weeks or months, I'm rolling with Ty Lu.
1: Yeah, I just... I I think Ty Lu checks the most boxes while having the fewest possible question marks. I'll say that. So, maybe on that note, we should just go to our our ad break and then we'll come back and reset and talk about some other things so we'll be right back so even though sports had a long break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long term contracts. Plus, Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. This past Sunday,
0: football was back. Now, did not go the way I wanted to for my beloved Philadelphia Eagles. But I sure placed a lot of wagers this past weekend. And you can do that too. This Sunday, this Thursday, this Monday, football all the time with Bet Online. You might not be out a game this year. How I wish I was tailgating on Sunday in this beautiful fall weather, watching the Eagles smoke Sean McVay and the Rams. We can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, big prop guide. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season-opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: All right, so now that I've gotten my D'Antoni riff off of my chest and Seamus has complained about the uh, the front office scenario situation that we've talked about for several straight podcasts, we'll hit the third tenet of most recent podcasts, and that's complaining about Joel Embiid relative to expectations and talking about some recent awards. So... We're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, earlier, earlier, I would say late afternoon today, the All-NBA teams were announced. And Ben Simmons was named to All-NBA third team, implications of which we'll talk about in a second. And Joel Embiid did not make any of the teams. Now, it's worth noting that Joel actually earned more first team votes and more points toward the ballot than Ben did, but because Joel was far outvoted by the other centers on the ballot and because Ben was the, I believe he was the fifth-ranked guard in the voting, Ben made one of the teams because of the positions. Why they still have positions for uh, a league that is basically positionless at this point is beyond me, but that's neither here nor there. And, you know, I thought it was probably fair within the, the context of the voting that both guys ended up where they did. Ben was certainly not one of the 10 best players this year, but he was one of the league's best defensive players, as we've talked about, Sheamus, uh, a tone setter on defense throughout the season in a way that Embiid was not. And I, I I don't think that Joel deserved all NBA this year. I think, and, you know, we can also touch on who he's compared to right now. Like if you look at Nikola Jokic in the playoffs, he has been straight up better than Joel Embiid. And I have long been carrying the banner for, you know, I don't believe in Jokic and I think teams can hunt him in the playoffs and so on and so forth. But he has outperformed Embiid when it matters. And he's put up – he's a great offensive player that has managed to hang in there defensively against teams that are sort of built To exploit guys like him and it's hard to continue making the case that Joel is a better big man than him and so that's where we're at I have to that's a years-long position I had that I genuinely believe that Joel was the best big man in the league I don't think I can say that anymore
0: I'm facing a similar harsh reality that after what we've watched in these playoffs it's clear Nikola Jokic is the best big man in the league Best center in the league. I don't know why Anthony Davis is listed as a center because he's a fucking coward who refuses to play center when his team... Yeah, that's it the a most. whole other thing. That's, that's a ridiculous. Th- I mean, I don't think we can get two, as Sixers fans, as a Sixer fan myself, you a reporter, can get two in on him because Ben Simmons doesn't want to play the right position either. So I feel him, even though he still is a coward. Uh, but Jokic. <laughs> Jokic is it. Uh, unbelievable playoff performance. You know, for all we know, they get smoked against the Lakers, but it doesn't take away what he's done in the last two rounds. Uh, It's more than Joel Embiid's ever done in the playoffs in the postseason, Um, even with, you know, different supporting cast, whatever. But Joel didn't deserve to make it this year, unfortunately. Obviously, you know, I'm pretty, my brand's pretty anti-AD, but he's a first or second team guy. And even though I'd give Jokic the nod on first team. And then you have Gobert, who was, you know, simple to say, much better defender than Joel this year. We've, ca- we've covered Joel's defensive lapses, uh, his regression on defense. Uh, in previous podcasts, yes, he has not been the same player on defense as he was in 2019 and 2018. And Gobert just had a better season than him. So he didn't deserve to make either of these three teams. He got, just to for the listeners at home, Joel had three first-place votes for first-team All-NBA. Do you think Keith Pompey was one of them?
1: Uh, we're gonna find out soon enough. I would imagine that it's probably a, a Philadelphia person, though. I've been surprised in the past by, you know, how voting shakes out amongst. I don't. I don't even want to call it national media because sometimes it's you get some wild card votes from. There, are, there are league voters that are in like South America and Europe, and it, they can be all over the place with their votes. So I don't want to blame. Or credit anyone in particular. I believe once the MVP voting comes out, they will release the ballots for every award, every team, and so I guess we'll we'll wait and see. But and he I,
0: got a fourteen second team votes and 22 3rd 22 team All NBA votes.
1: So I, I want to stick on this. The Jokic and Bede thing for a second. Um, You know, Seamus, one of the things that we've talked about over the last, let's call it like month or two, is this idea that we haven't seen Joel rise to the level where he's truly carrying the team. And that when the chips are down, he just hasn't summoned the ability to carry them out of that, right? Like when they when they look good and when things are going well, obviously he's he it's because he looks great and because he's engaged, because he's so active. But I, I think a thing that Jokic showed me, and that other Jamal Murray showed me for that matter on the nuggets that other guys have shown me through those playoffs, that there's a difference between being able to you know, put up a bunch of numbers and actually being able to will teams to wins. Like Jokic and Murray in that series against the Clippers, they that team had their backs against the wall several times. And those guys just almost like by themselves dragged them to victory. Whether that was Jokic is getting double team and he's getting 15 assists. He's making off angle shots. He's playing more engaged defense. Murray goes on these long scoring runs. Like, What is the signature moment of Joel Embiid's playoff career to date? The the thing we talk about in these series, like last year the whole thing was, hey, the, the Sixers win a title if they have, I don't know, not Al Horford. Like if they had Kyle O'Quinn last season instead of Greg Monroe or Boban, maybe they win the title because his plus minus was so – significant. But nobody says like, oh man, that was a a great game or great series that Joel had. It's just that the people behind him sucked so bad. There's not been a game in the playoffs where we're like, man, fucking Joel Embiid went out there and just wiped the floor with these guys. It, It hasn't happened. We haven't seen it. And I you see all these guys that either he wants to be in the conversation with guys that are, have been behind him in all the rankings and all NBA and all this other shit. And they went out and did it. I haven't seen it from him. I, I just it, At a certain point, when should we expect him to do the things that other guys that we don't consider to be as good as him are doing in the playoffs against, in many cases, better teams – than the teams that they've played.
0: We're facing the facts. We're kind of our expectations are meeting reality where we're realizing Joel Embiid is not this young, tantalizing prospect anymore. He is in what should be considered his prime. I don't think it's a given to expect him to get incrementally better as he had gotten from the 2017 season to the 2018 season to the 2019 season, and then he did not get better this past year. He got worse. And we don't know... If there's an uptick coming, if he's gonna, if he's still yet to peak, but it's concerning that these other players around the league, they seem to be getting better and better, even at center position. Jokic somehow got even better, while Joel Embiid not only didn't say the same, he got worse. And now we have to think: Is this just who Joel Embiid is, or the Sixers just a team with him, and so even as as him as their best player, just a team that can possibly make the second round? Not even a given. It's not great. Cannot feel good as a Sixers fan right now. I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't mind if they moved to Newark and just became the New Jersey <laughs> sewer rats or some shit. Like, sometimes I do wish that and I could just be a general NBA fan and not give a fuck and just, like, go Eagles, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, Flyers, Phillies, and then, you know, just watch James Harden and Doncic and shit.
1: Yeah, like, I guess the thing that strikes me... Seamus is that it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose and you watch the game and it doesn't feel like you the guy fired every bullet in the chamber. And that like I just I have never I've never gotten that impression from it, it it's just a feeling, right? Watching a game like you can it just feels different the way that they have that they went out this year. And that he has performed historically in the playoffs compared to the guys that we think are his peers. And I think that that's just... It's a bummer because I think that he's... one. We've talked about it before. I think he is genuinely one of the most talented players in the league. I think he's got the ability to be an MVP-type player. And he just doesn't... He hasn't shown it.
0: No, he hasn't. It's concerning.
1: So, like, how much of that is on him versus the context, I guess, is the question that is going to haunt the Sixers moving forward. They're going to have to figure that out. Um, So. I don't know what the fuck
0: they are supposed to do next.
1: I don't either, man.
0: They fucked themselves. It's over. Like the, the title no. window is over. <laughs>
1: is that? It's not the first the, time I've said that. Is that the the title of the podcast?
0: The title window is over, or I don't know what the fuck they're supposed to do. Which, what is the title of the podcast?
1: <laughs> Both of those things.
0: Everything. Anything. Everything.
1: Yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, this team, man! It, it's moved to New it's, York. Sad. Well, that's, you know, that's a whole different story. But I just can't believe that we're here two years after, you know, everything looked to be lining up for them to go on this long run, a, a sustained, sustained period of contention. And they have all this cap space. They have the ability to, to draft whoever – to round this out and now they're short on picks have they're, not only do they not have cap space they are they are in cap hell moving forward which by the way we were talking about uh, ben simmons making all nba that's another three percent on his max moving forward which is going to add to the the luxury tax so uh, it is <laughs> i'm sure there are some six right now
0: what would you say to a Sixers fan? This Sixers fan is is not me. Who's mad Ben Simmons made All-NBA because it increases the Sixers, I guess, luxury tax bill or whatever?
1: Well, look, like, I think you say good for Ben. I think that you say... Um,
0: Just pay the fucking
1: tax. I, I think you say if you have to worry about the luxury tax and what the ownership is going to do, that's an ownership problem. And it's not something that you're going to sit here and like, do not hold that against Ben. Like, Oh great. It's, it's a good thing. It's, it shows that he moved forward as a player this year. And there's no way that you as a fan should be upset with that. You should be vigilant and understanding of the fact that, you know, this is an ownership group. That under their watch, three different general managers have sold second round picks. This is an ownership group that was one of the first groups in the league, in North American sports for that matter. They were the
0: first in the NBA.
1: To come out and suggest that pay cuts were happening because of Uh the pandemic. I thought you were going to say the uniform sponsor. Oh, no, 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 no. They were the first for that. No, this is they were going to cut salaries for people making. They did. Yeah, I remember that. I thought you were saying. Yeah, I got it. No, but but let's stay focused here. They were one of the first people, first organizations in North American sports to do that. And the only reason they didn't do that, months before they were prepping a billion dollar bid for the New York Mets, months before they were proposing a new fucking arena in 2031, they were trying to cut employee salaries and the only reason they didn't was because Joel Embiid fucking shamed them and social media the backlash was so significant that they couldn't afford to do it they pissed off not just the fan base but one of the players on their team was embarrassed by what they were doing and you're telling me that like Nobody should worry about whether they're willing to really pay the tax and try to compete moving forward. You'd have to be crazy not to think about that. So as much as I think the fans should just focus on the players and what goes on on the court and try not to think so much about all the salary stuff, that's a real thing. That's a conversation that's coming. And so if you start seeing – if draft night gets here and they sell picks again Mm – don't have anybody act surprised that they, they're doing the same thing that they've done the whole time that these guys have owned the team.
0: Go off, King.
1: <laughs> so, I don't really have much more, Seamus. We could talk about the other playoff series, but...
0: I don't really feel like it. We, we're all sad that it's a Heat-Celtic series that it just kind of, you know, sick, peak Sixers shade and fraud, essentially.
1: Yeah, well... I Jimmy Butler, the clutch, the crunch time hero, Nikola Jokic taking over in the, the other series, much to the chagrin Jason of Tatum all the, B the fans out there. Yeah, Jason Tatum plays for the Celtics, so and they're quite. That's good. where the Sixers are right now. They'll we we we'll, we'll record this and they'll probably fire everybody and hire a coach, and we'll have to do something else. But the, until then, I think that's probably about it for the day. The loser of the week is it myself and seamus for us mm-hmm. having to commit so much brain power to thinking and talking about this team but this
0: was our 50th podcast so celebration in order
1: it's a milestone uh we appreciate everybody rocking with us obviously uh, if you have not already subscribe to the podcast give us some five-star reviews and me will we'll be back with you soon hopefully with a little bit of a a cheerier podcast how about that hopefully probably not though yeah. all right i'll talk to you soon buddy see you see you